Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. Hi, it's Alej Yajnik, and we're going to do something a little bit different this week. I'm going to take you through something called The Coach's Corner, where I go through insights that I've had uh, in working with my clients over the past week or so. And as we wrap up the year, this year, uh, this week was all about end of year stuff. And we're going to cover a few things in this podcast that came up in my work with clients this week. So one of the first things that really jumped out at me when we worked through this earlier in the week with a client was this idea of bonuses and raises for this year effective, you know, next year. And this may be something that you might be thinking of as you get to the end of the year. How much of a bonus should you give to your your team members? How much of a bonus should you give to yourself? What raises are really appropriate? And as we got into this and I was working with my client, we very quickly figured out that unfortunately, my client had no method to determine how to give out those bonuses. Historically, she had always just sort of made it up. And as a result of that, a lot of the bonuses that was given would go to her team and she didn't have anything for herself. And she said, you know what? I want this year to be different. When I'm giving out a bonus, I deserve one. I want to give one to myself. So that's awesome. And we went through a little exercise where we figured out how much of a bonus pool of dollars she had and how we should allocate that amongst her team and herself. And she was pretty happy about it. But that was a making the best out of a situation that quite frankly, we were just kind of stuck in. It's the end of the year and and we didn't have another way to do it. We talked about how we're going to do it differently next year. And when we were having that conversation, we talked a lot about, you know, performance-based bonuses and performance-based raises, which basically means the better that the employee does, the more money that they get. And that just kind of made a lot of sense. And the question was, okay, well, that's great. How do we do that? And the way we do that is through an application of goals. Goals aren't just used for strategic planning. Goals are useful for so many things this time of year. And one of those things is setting performance expectations for your team members. And by the way, for your vendors. Uh, That's why we firmly believe that each team member and vendor should have clear goals from you as the law firm owner. Now, why is that? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. One is what the situation we just talked about, it makes it much easier to give rewards based on performance. They've got goals at the start of the year. They can work towards it through the end of the year. And then they know that they are going to get a good reward because they hit a lot of their goals or they're not going to get such a good reward because they didn't do a great job in their goals. In creating those goals, the other benefit of that is it forces you to think about what you really want from them. So if you're coming up with goals for your website provider, for example, it's going to make it really crystal clear for you as you go through this exercise, what it is you actually want from your website and what you want your website provider to do. Likewise, if you're working with you know an associate or a paralegal or a legal assistant, and you want them to do certain things, it really forces you to think about not only what you want from them, but how they're going to be measured in terms of their success. Uh, so as a quick aside, 
A goal isn't necessarily meant to capture every aspect of someone's job, but it's supposed to capture the things that are most important that you want them to do over a certain period of time, whether it's weekly, quarterly, or you know, an annual goal. And as another benefit of that is it clearly signals to them as the employee or the vendor, what are the expectations? How are they going to be measured for success? As a result of that, they're going to know if they're doing a good job or they're also going to know if they need to improve. So goals are really useful for you. They're useful for your team. They're useful for your vendors. And it makes it so much easier for you at the end of year to determine who gets what bonus money and who gets what raise. Super critical. And by the way, as you're doing that, of course, <laughs> don't forget to put down some goals for yourself because it will help you figure out if you did what you were supposed to do over the course of the year. So that's that's bonuses and raises in the connections to goals. Highly encourage you if you haven't, get that in place for your employees, for your vendors, and for yourself. You can do that at any time. Couple of goal setting tips here real quick. You want to make sure that your goals are as clear as possible. There's an acronym for that called SMART goals. You might have heard of that. I'm going to go through it here real real briefly if you haven't, and it's how to write a good solid goal. A goal should be specific, S, right? It should be specific so that it's really, really clear. It should be measurable, M. You should be able to measure progress towards it. That way, there's no surprises along the way. Now, the A is interesting. It can stand for different things depending on your interpretation of what the acronym means. And SMART has been utilized and leveraged by so many thought leaders along the way. <laughs> it can really stand for a bunch of different things. I use the Brian Tracy version of A, which is aligned. It should be aligned with your core values. R, uh, again, this is one that can be different depending on how you interpret the acronym SMART. But I like to say it's realistic. It's a realistic goal. It makes sense. It's achievable. It's a stretch but it's achievable. And T, the last one is time bound. So if your goal incorporates all of these things, it's specific, it's measurable, it's aligned with your values, it's realistic and it's time bound, it's probably a pretty good goal. So that's a real quick check. And as far as duration goes, uh, you don't necessarily need to set goals for the whole year. You can set goals for a quarter, for example. Uh, you can set goals for half a year. You can even set goals for a specific week or a specific day if you like. Oftentimes when thinking about goals, thinking about goals for the entire year can get kind of overwhelming, but a three-month chunk of time is pretty good. Like You can see kind of where your firm is at and where it's going to go in three months and what are some of the key priorities that you need to hit to get there. So it makes it a really good time frame for setting these kinds of goals. Just make sure you remember when you're three months are up that you have new goals in place for the next three months and so on and so forth. By the way, as an aside, one of the things that came up in our conversation was, you know, talking to the employee about how raises and bonuses are determined. And I just want to be clear with all of you as law firm owners and attorney entrepreneurs, you don't need to explain your formula or your methodology to your team. Just a high level description that look, your bonuses and raises are based on two things. Number one, it's based on how you've done and number two, it's based on how the firm is done. Using those two things are how we determine bonuses and raises. You don't need to spell it out to the nth degree. And you should feel comfortable saying, look, that's how we determine it and leave it at that. Okay? 
since we're talking about goals, it leads us into goals and planning for next year. Most of our clients are done with their one-page strategic plan. Some of them, though, are still working on it. Uh, and by the way, the one-page strategic plan is a tool that we use with all of our clients to lay out the changes they want to make in their law firm so they can build their perfect practice in terms of time, in terms of money, in terms of impact, in terms of freedom and flexibility in their law firm. And if you want to get the one-page strategic plan, we have a full tutorial on our website. You can get the template. You can get the video and it's all for free. The video steps you through it. And we even have an example. So check out the website, a lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. And you can grab your one-page strategic plan toolkit right there at no charge. Okay. So as we're going through the strategic planning process, it takes different forms and different shapes, different styles for each client. But here are some powerful questions that you can actually ask yourself if you're trying to put together you know, a plan for next year or have some sense for what you want to do next year. I want to caution you here. Uh, the questions we're going to go through are pretty powerful, but they only work if you sit down and you take some time and you really think through this and allow yourself to just think. So taking a good half an hour of uninterrupted time is kind of the minimum for doing this. I know it seems like a lot, but it's oftentimes worth it. Now, when, when someone starts this exercise, and we've, we've seen this with a lot of clients, we'll say, okay, we're going to go through the one-page strategic plan for next year. Where would you like to start? And they oftentimes say, well, you know, this didn't go right, and that didn't go well, and I wanted to do this, but I couldn't, and I just need to be better. I just need to be better, and I need to be more focused, and I need to be more diligent about my time, and I need to spend more time on business development, and all these things come out. We usually stop that pretty quickly. Because it's it's natural as, as high achievers, as many attorneys are, as you probably are as an attorney entrepreneur, to always want to think about how you can be better. Here's the thing. Uh, even though many of us think about what went wrong and how we can fix it or do it better, that's not actually what moves us forward. It's good for identifying challenges and opportunities, but it doesn't actually move us forward. Growth and success come from momentum. And momentum comes from wins, stacking upon wins, stacking upon wins. That's how you build confidence. It's how you build well, momentum. <laughs> it's how you actually make progress. It's by wins, not by beating yourself up about things that you didn't do right. And so that means it's so important to identify your wins so that you can build on them. Now, these wins can be business or they can be personal because as attorney entrepreneurs, Business is personal. It totally is. So what I'd like you to do is make a list. If you're driving or working out, don't do it now, but grab a piece of paper and make a list of wins that you've had in the past year. You want to get to at least 10 wins, but go as high as 100. The more, the better. Really, because as you start doing that and the you start getting five wins, 10 wins, 15, 30, 40 it starts to feel good. And you start to realize all the things that you've accomplished over the past year. Now, if you struggle, it's because you're thinking about wins maybe uh, too big. So think smaller, small wins. I don't care how small they are. Don't stop until you get to at least 10. And if you want to go beyond that, feel free to keep going as high as 100 or even beyond. I guarantee you that you have hundreds of wins over the course of the year you just haven't looked for them and you haven't acknowledged them. But those wins and building on those wins, it's what's going to propel you to success. 
So that's where we start. First question, what were your wins this past year? Okay, the next question then is given all of that, that's fantastic. You've done a lot and you should be really proud of, of what you've done, hopefully over the past year. Now, how would you like next year to be different from this year? How would you like next year to be different from this year? Now, don't let your inner lawyer hold you back. Really go for it. You know, Be realistic, but be bold. It's okay to feel a little scared by writing this stuff down, and that's totally okay. Again, it could be business, personal, or both. But how would you like next year to be different from this year? Now, last time I suggested a minimum is 10, but you can go as high as 100. This time, don't stop. Remember, don't stop until you get to one. That's right. Don't stop until you get to one. It's okay if you're thinking about next year and there was just one thing that you wanted to be different. That's fantastic. So as long as you have at least one thing, you are good to go. All right. You might have more. You might have five things, 10 things, 20 things. If you have a bunch of stuff, narrow that down. This is the third step. Narrow it down until you have three or less. Okay. Three things or less, three ways that you want next year to be different from this year, okay? Once you have that and you have that written down or circled on your piece of paper or however you're doing it, now comes the next question. And this is the money question. What do you have to do next year to achieve those one, two, or three things? Because that forms the basis for your action plan next year. And strategic planning is great. It's awesome. I love it. But nothing happens until you take action. And what's most important is through this exercise, you identify the key actions that you need to take so that you can be delighted with how next year turns out. And that's where you really need to answer this last question. What do you have to do next year to achieve those one, two, or three things? Okay, get as specific as you can because that's going to form your action plan. So that's a lot I know on goals, but hopefully you're finding this interesting. And the third thing we cover this week, uh, like we cover every week is time management. We spend a lot of time when we work with our clients on time management. And uh, one of our clients was really struggling with time blocking using a blocked calendar. And time blocking is a technique where you take your calendar and you you carve it up into certain chunks of time. And that that those blocks of time are allocated. So you know what you're supposed to be doing during that time. So in theory, it's very good for time management and it does work. I use block calendaring. Many of our clients use it as well. It works very, very well, but it's also almost never perfect. And when we were talking, she found it very frustrating. (laughs) She's like, I just need some help with my block calendar. It's just not working for me. And uh, she she said, you know, I'm I'm not able to stick to my blocks. And so I went through the usual things I do when people are struggling with block calendars, which is, well, what's what's holding you back? Is it getting into your block, you know, starting uh, and and switching tasks you're doing, which you're supposed to be doing? Or is it getting out of your block? So at the end of the task, you just kind of keep going because you've forgotten you're supposed to switch to something else. Or is it during the block that you just keep getting interrupted and distracted? And she said, no, no, it's none of those things. She said, I actually can't just create my blocks so they work for me. And so when we dug into it, it turns out that she had made her time blocks really specific. Uh, And because she made them specific, they just weren't working. So for example, 
uh, she had allocated, you know, such and such time for phone calls, such and such time for emails, another time block for consultations, another time block for breaks, for lunch, leaving the office, etc. She had really, really specific blocks of time, and they were just too specific to work for her and her style of working. So what we did, um, and this might be helpful for those of you that are struggling with time blocks or who have struggled with it, with it in the past, is that we started at a higher level. We started with, okay, forget all the details. Let's say we're going to have two chunks of time. There's time for work and there's time for being at home. <laughs> Let's just start there. Uh, so once we got those things in, which were super easy to do, then we said, okay, well, what else do we need to add, really need to add? And we decided we needed to add in blocks for networking. So we did. And that was it. So we had time for work, time for networking, time for being at home. She felt really good because now she knew that she was able to use the time blocks and determine when she should be working, when she should be at home, and when she should be doing business development. And she was very excited because now she'd reserved time for business development in her weekly calendar, which was awesome. So she knew she'd be spending some time every week on business development. And that leads us to another conversation I had with, with another client this week, which is where you're spending your time and spending some time each week on business development. So you might have heard me talk about the 2010-5 rule. Uh, it's a technique I invented to optimize your time. And for litigators, by the way, um, we have a little different variant. I'll go through here uh, right now, actually. So the 2010-5 rule is basically the amount of time you should be spending each week on different things. Um, the 20 hours is for client work. The 10 hours is for business development and the five hours is for admin. You add it all up, it's a 35-hour week, which gives you a little bit of slop time, but it's a pretty good diagnostic tool as well. And we'll I'll get into that in a minute. Now for litigators, you know, you're probably laughing at me <laughs> because that division of time doesn't work for you because every week's really, really different. And so if that's the case for you, what you might want to do is multiply those by four, which if I'm doing it right is 80 hours a month on client work. Uh, 40 hours a month on business development and 20 hours a month on law firm administration. Here's where this gets interesting. If you're doing more client work than you should, uh, that's a clear sign that you either need to work more efficiently or you need to hire some help or hire more help. If you're not putting in the client hours that you should, you should be asking yourself, is it a focus issue or is it simply that the work isn't there? And then take action accordingly. So that's that first number. That's that 20 client work. The middle number, the 10, is business development and marketing. That may seem a lot for many of you, um, but that's really what the owner of a firm or a partner at a firm needs to do uh, to continue to grow and aggressively grow their book of business. So again, if you're over that 10 hours, but you're not happy with the growth of your firm, you need to really evaluate your marketing to determine what's working and what isn't and make some changes. If you're below that 10 hours a week, which is where we see most of our clients, you need to up your game. You need to spend more time on business development and marketing. Now, the last number, the five hours a week on a law firm admin. Again, if you're over that number, you either need to implement some systems and processes and tools or you need to bring on some help or both. And if you're under that number, uh, be very careful because it may be that uh, you may not have as good of a grasp on your law firm as you might think. So always remember, time is our most precious asset. We can't get more of it and we can't save it up. So make the most of it, invest your time wisely, and remember, treasured holiday memories are made when you invest the time to make them. So from me to you, happy holidays and best wishes for the coming year. 
that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.